you for listening to this message from Life in the Sun Christian Fellowship. We hope you'll be inspired to honor God and make disciples. Welcome to our conclusion of our series. This series is entitled Wordview. Wordview is a play on worldview, and it's all about your view of God's Word. And last week, our topic was about the sufficiency of Scripture, and thank you to Elmore for bringing that message. Years ago, when I first began to experience God, uh, amazing things were happening in my life. In some ways, it was the best of times. In other ways, it was very difficult. Uh, I was beginning to experience life as God intended, and yet things about my old life were such a struggle as I was in the process of change. My values, my, my priorities, my convictions, everything was being challenged. Things were changing. It was a very uh, tumultuous time in my life, and yet it was amazing to experience God. And as as amazing as it was for me, I didn't realize that I was part of something much bigger. I was going to school in Hawaii, and I got involved with a campus ministry, and we were learning about experiencing God and helping other people experience Him as well. And we were talking to people about their relationship with God and seeing God work in their lives and learning what it meant to be used by God to help people experience Him. And uh, it, was, it was such a time of purpose and, and depth. And it wasn't just the one group that I was involved in. Uh, there were many groups at the University of Hawaii. There was Campus Crusade for Christ. There was Inner Varsity. There was Youth for Christ, Navigators, Youth with a Mission, Maranatha Church. All of these had groups that were healthy and were growing. And we were just all over this campus of 20,000 students. And if you spent any amount of time on that campus, sooner or later, somebody was going to come up and talk to you about your relationship with God. In fact, it was written up in a newspaper that of, of the campuses in the nation, the University of Hawaii was one of the most evangelized campuses in the nation. And it was exciting to, to see how the Holy Spirit would orchestrate all of us. We were the body of Christ at the University of Hawaii. And it was interesting to see how the Holy Spirit would orchestrate us to go and talk to certain people. You know, students would hang out in certain places on the campus. And you would see somebody who was always there during break on Wednesdays at 10 a.m. And one group, somebody, God would allow just in his sovereignty somebody to go to talk to them. And then somebody from another group would talk to them. And from another group, just watch this all semester long happening. And then pretty soon that person would say yes to the Lord and get involved in the body and start growing in their relationship with God. And we saw that going on for the years that I was there over and over and over again. And that was exciting. But it wasn't until many years later that I discovered that it was part of something much bigger. There was actually a move of God in the islands in the early 80s. And, it, and whenever there's a move of God, it's not just a particular church or ministry at a campus. Whenever there's a move of God, it's across the board in society, from the government to education to the subcultures within that community. For example, there was a man who used to be a minister. He was the director of Campus Crusade for Christ. The Lord told him, I want you to run for senator in Hawaii. That's a pretty big faith step because Hawaii is a high-powered place. 
Not anybody can just do that. And so he ran and he lost. (laughs) But he knew the Lord had spoken to him, so he ran again and he lost. And it was in the third election that he got elected as a senator in Hawaii. From that position, he never turned his back on ministry. But he used it as a platform to be able to expand his ministry. And so he organized all the churches, campus groups all over the island to deliver a paperback copy of the New Testament to every residence in Hawaii. Over about 800,000 people. And I remember going to the orientations and how he was just so on fire and he was so bold. He said, when you go to a yard and a dog charges you, he said, take your Bible and hit it right on the snout. (laughs) Most people would be running for the nearest car to jump on top. But that was how. And so, you know, it was happening in the education system at the university, in government. But I found out later also in some of the subcultures in Hawaii. Found out years later because I met a guy by the name of um, Pastor Koble. It's part of our Every Nation Church in Japan. He's from Hawaii. Before, in his BC days, he was a surfer. And there was, in Hawaii, there's a big surfing community. And just one person got saved and began to tell his friends, and from there it began to spread. And people were going to the Grace Bible Church, which is one of our sister churches in Hawaii, started going to the Grace Bible Church, and because they were unchurched, they didn't know church culture. They walked in, and they thought, wow, cool, Christian concert. So what do you do at a concert? You go all the way up to the front. And so they had kids sitting Indian style in the front up here, or sometimes sitting in the front row, And they'd just come in from surfing, and they'd leave a wet spot on the seat. Or they would be scantily clad, and ladies would come up to them and go, are you cold? And they'd go, no, I'm not cold. Oh, you look cold. Let me put this shawl over you. (laughs) Stuff like that was happening across the board. And then I found out it wasn't just in Hawaii. It was in the islands. In 1985, there was something called Expo 85. If you were here back then, they had this huge conference at the field house at UOG, filled it with people from all over the islands of Micronesia. And uh, Billy Graham was one of the speakers, among others. And they just had this time of encouragement and training. And then they all got in buses. Somehow they got it organized with school buses to go out into the community. And they had busloads of islanders going out to different residential areas on Guam, knocking door to door, telling people about the Lord. My wife at that time, she was only two years, old, two years old in the Lord. She got appointed to be one of the bus captains. Just two years old in the Lord, and she's leading an entire busload of islanders to go do outreach. And where did you guys go? The old Micronesia Hotel? The old Micronesia Hotel is where they went, for those who remember that. And so it was just exciting to hear how God was at work. It's always been my dream. My desire to be a part of another move of God. I just want to be a part of the team. I want to see it happen. And I'm excited because I wonder if we're on the verge of something. Every week, every day... I hear something from you guys about how God is at work. And you know your stories. You know what's going on. God is doing amazing things in your life. And I wonder if 20 or 30 years from now, we might look back and think, you know what? 
that was something bigger than I realized at the time. I don't know. I'm not making a prediction. I'm not prophetic. But that's my hope. That's my dream. And you guys are experiencing God. And I want to ask you this question. Um, As far as it depends on you, do you know why you're experiencing God in the way that you are? As far as it depends on you, do you know why that's happening? The Apostle James had something to say about this. This morning, we'll take a closer look at what James has to say. But before we do, I'd like to pray. So if you would bow your heads and close your eyes with me. Father, I I thank you that in the end, it's your kingdom. And you've already given us a glimpse, given us tokens, allowed, allowed us experiences, Lord, to open the eyes of our heart and to help us see that there's something more than the daily grind. And so, Father, I pray that you would help us to keep our eyes on Jesus as we look into your word and that your spirit would speak and teach. More than that, make it alive, make it real, and even multiply it through us. I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. And so we're going to be taking a look at James chapter 1, beginning in verse 22. Let's read it together. Therefore, put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness, and receive with meekness the implanted word, which is able to save your souls. But be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror. For he looks at himself and goes away and at once forgets what he was like. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets but a doer who acts, He will be blessed in his doing. He will be blessed in his doing. The reason that many of you are experiencing God is because you are in this process of putting away the old life. And you are exchanging the old life for a new life in God's kingdom. And you are beginning to put into practice what God says. That's why you're experiencing God. Verse 21 says, Therefore put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. The implanted word is able to save your souls. You recall from two weeks ago, we talked about what is the word. John chapter 1 verse 1 says, In the beginning was the word. And the word was with God, and the word was God. And then if you skip down to verse 14, it says, And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. The implanted word is Jesus himself. Jesus is the one who saves. He is able to save our souls. And James is encouraging us to receive the implanted word who is able to save us. As we do that, There is a response on our part. Verse 22, James says, But be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. And here in this passage, there are three types of people. There are those who are hearers only. 
There are those who are, we can go to the next slide. There are those who are doers only. There are those who are hearers only. And there are those who are hearers and doers. And I want to talk about each of these. Men, have you ever gone to a store to buy something that required assembly, maybe Home Depot? You come home and you unpack the box and you lay out the parts. And there's this piece of paper there that's the instructions and you kind of set those to the side. And you look at everything and you figure out, okay, I know how to put this together. And you start assembling. And then at some point, you might get stuck and go, no, this, is not, this isn't right. Maybe it didn't have the order, the sequence, or I don't know, where does this part go? And then we go back and we look at the instructions and we're like, oh, okay. And we come back and put these pieces together. We, that's an example of being a doer before hearing, before listening to the instructions. <laughs> My wife and I, we do a lot of counseling. And um, we, we get probably 90% women and 10% men over the last 15 years that we've been doing this. I think it has something to do with not wanting to read instructions. <laughs> Men, let's not do life the same way we assemble things. Let's read the instructions first and then be doers of the word. Uh, women, I also have a message for you. Martha was working really hard. But she was working hard making sandwiches that Jesus never ordered. Ladies, are you too busy serving and need to take some time to sit at the feet of Jesus just to listen to him? If we don't balance our lives with hearing and receiving from God, we can get upset with people who, live, who leave dishes in the sink and laundry on the floor. And all the while, we're missing something on the inside. How many of us have a day of rest with the intention of just spending time alone with God? Don't raise your hand. It's easy to say I don't have time. In the pressures of life and all the demands and all the challenges that we face and the never-ending load of laundry and list of things to do. I knew a missionary who met Mother Teresa and she found out that Mother Teresa spent hours in prayer every day. And she said to her, she had the opportunity to, to actually ask her this question, how can you afford to do that? And Mother Teresa, without even thinking, said back, how can you afford not to? Mother Teresa said, how can you afford not to? It's all about priority and what's important. Man, I've got a long list of things on all kinds of lists on my phone which could just totally dictate my life and I've got to pull away and just say, God, I need to be with you. Take some time alone with you. There's such a tendency to do before sitting and listening and receiving and sometimes it seems really good. I, I know a story, this is a true story, of a group of people, a group of Christians that uh, had a person in their church who passed away. And they started sharing the idea about praying that God could raise this person from the dead. And they had an all-night prayer meeting to actually do that. 
but nothing happened. And I went to one of them when they were telling me this story, and I said, did anybody actually hear from God that God wanted to do that? Because that's an important question to ask. We can make decisions about how we want to serve God and how we want things to work, but we need to get direction from him first. Now, I remember when my mom was down with cancer, and uh, it was close to the end. It was within days and weeks. And a pastor friend of mine came to me, and he said, hey, I can pull some men together from the church, and we can pray for your mom, and we can, we can contend with you. And I said, you know what? Thank you. I really appreciate that. Thank you for being here. But I have prayed, and I asked the Lord, is this an illness leading unto death or not? And the Lord made it very clear to me and comforted me to know that, no, this is her time. And I was able to accept and resolve and to move forward. And we have to let some things go in order to follow God. Those things that we hold on to dearly, it could be a job, it could be a position, it could be a family member, it could be a relationship, it could be money, whatever it is that is dear to us. We've got to be able to let those things go in order to truly hear from God and be directed by him. Otherwise, we can make our own agenda about how we want things to work out. It's very hard to hear from the Lord unless we come to that place of complete submission. We don't want to be doers only. We want to first listen. The other extreme is that there are people who are hearers only. I mean, I love to listen to podcasts and watch worship videos and listen to sermons online. And I love Caleb and I listen to it whenever I can. Um, There are some of us that we hear all kinds of messages. We're in the Word doing all kinds of Bible studies. But we might rarely give time to serve others. We might rarely give our finances to help others. But we might think we're okay because we're always in this kind of spiritual mode. And why does that happen? How is it that we can get out of balance? Well, James tells us in the next verse, verse 23, For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror. For he looks at himself and goes away and at once forgets what he is like. The word of God is like a spiritual mirror. And in the word, God reveals who you are as his sons and daughters. If you look intently into the mirror, you will see your image. You are created in the image of God. And he reveals it in his word. And every once in a while, the Lord speaks to you. And he shows you something about who you are. And it touches you deeply. Like, I am forgiven. And then we go away from the word. And we go out into the world. And somebody does something or says something. And all of a sudden, it's like, maybe I feel bad about myself. And I start listening to these world's messages. Or maybe messages that I've been hearing since I was a kid. And we forget what image we saw when we were looking in the mirror. The real question is this. Well, let me back up. When we look in the mirror, we're really talking about our identity. Who are we? 
who are we really? And I want to share with you why that's important when it comes to doing and having this balance between hearing and doing. Your identity is important because your identity will determine your behavior. I remember when I was a kid, my parents were having a conversation, and my dad said, uh, don't feed the cat because we want the cat to catch mice. And my mom said, my mom grew up on a farm, she said, whether the cat is well-fed or not, the cat has a nature to automatically chase a mouse whether it's hungry or not. And what she, she had just through observation realized that nature determines behavior. Fish swim because they're fish. Birds fly because they're birds. And sinners sin because they're sinners. And so the real question is this. What is your nature? Whose report are you going to believe? Are you going to believe the messages that you heard since you were little? Are you going to listen to the messages of the world? Or are you going to listen to the message of God? Peter said in 1 Peter 2, he says, You are a chosen generation, a chosen generation. In other words, you are wanted. One of the greatest fears that people deal with is the fear of rejection. And God wants you to know that you are wanted have been, and always will be. You are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. If you have received Christ, this is your mirror. This is God's word for you. You are chosen, and you are wanted, you are royal, and you are a priest. Now, I know that might be a foreign concept to many of us right now. Um, our culture has gotten away from the simple meaning of what it means to be a priest. A priest is simply someone who represents God. A priest is someone who represents God, and you represent God to men. You are chosen to do so, and you are holy. And that's, your, that's your true identity. That's your nature. Every time we go out into the world, every time we get into a circumstance and something shakes us, maybe even shakes us to the core, and we start questioning and doubting who we are, I want to invite you to go back to the mirror. Even if you don't have your Bible open, from memory, go back to the Word of God, and what does He say about who you are? And let what God says be your security and your foundation. Don't let the circumstances, don't let the world, don't let people get you off balance and cause you to flounder and to stumble. But to let God be the lifter of your head and the one who strengthens your heart and that you're able to stand under whatever circumstances you face. As we do that, verse 25, the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. So here it's talking about the perfect law. What do you think of when you think of the law? Do you think of rules? Do you think of do's and don'ts? maybe penalties or consequences? 
What is the law of liberty? How many of you saw the movie The Shack? Some of you? Maybe one-third of you? Okay. In this movie, the main character has this experience where he's taken away to a special place, and he there encounters the Trinity. And at one point, God tells him, why don't you go outside and spend some time with my son to see some of his handiwork? And in the very next scene, you see a picture of the stars. It's like the Milky Way galaxy, which is pretty cool for handiwork. And he's talking to Jesus. And he says to Jesus, you know, I don't know what I'm supposed to do. And Jesus says, supposed to do? He goes, you can do whatever you want. Now, for some of us, that might sound a little off to say you can do whatever you want. Because what about being a doer of the word? We need to keep in mind the context. The context is a relationship with God and the work of the Holy Spirit in your lives. Titus 3.5 says, He saved us, not on the basis of deeds which we have done in righteousness, but according to his mercy, by the washing of regeneration and renewing by the Holy Spirit. When you have been transformed by God, you are free to live in your new nature. It's not about do's and don'ts. It's about being free from sin and having freedom to live a new life. Freedom to live the new life, to love God and to love people. Do you remember when you first fell in love? Do you remember how easy it was to spend time with that person? You could just talk for hours. Remember how easy it was to do things for them? It wasn't even a question, and it was a joy to be able to do things for them. Now, of course, we can't always live in a state of infatuation. <laughs> but the point is this. When we love God and love people, it's easy to serve. And God has given us a new nature so that we don't have, we don't have to have all the hindrances that stop us. But we can be free. The law of love is the law of liberty. The focus is not what we do. The focus is your true identity. And then everything else will fall into place. Be hearers first. Hear what God says about who you are. And then the doing will happen naturally. The title of this message is Hearing, Doing, and Being. What is the last thing you knew that God was leading you to do? I actually want you to answer that question in your own mind, just to think for a moment. What was the last thing you knew that God was leading you to do? If you did it, great. You're a doer of the word. Keep on being who you are. But if you didn't do it, you need to know that God is a God of second chances. He is. And in these second chances, we need to ask ourselves, we need to troubleshoot something so that the pattern doesn't repeat itself. What is it that makes it hard to be a hearer and a doer? What is it that makes it hard to spend time alone with God, to hear, and then to do? Why is that difficult? Is it busyness? 
That's a huge one in our day and age. And all these chat groups, messages, just bing, 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 going off and so distracting. Things calling for our attention. Work, the demands at work, family, the demands at home. Busyness is a huge distraction. Sometimes the hindrance can be fear. You know, we're out there, we're dealing with people all the time. We want people to like us. We want to be accepted. And sometimes we're tempted to compromise and just bend a little bit to do this so that everything stays copacetic. Sometimes it's a big deal. Sometimes it's very simple but very deep. And it's a matter of the kingdom of self versus the kingdom of God. I want to invite you as we think about some of these hindrances and these questions. If this is something that you can relate to, I want to invite you to resolve in your heart to put off the old self. And be transformed in the renewing of your mind. Remember the mirror. Put off the old self, be transformed by the renewing of your mind, and put on the new self, which is being made in the likeness of Christ. Let his spirit live in and through you as you surrender to him. And then you will be able to follow him moving forward. I invite you to determine today to let him be the center. Let him be the source. And his life will flow naturally in the process. Then you will not be hearers only. And you won't be doers only, but you will be hearers and doers. You know, I'm not much of an artist. I'm not creative. If you give me a box of crayons and ask me to create something on a piece of paper or a canvas, you're probably going to get something like stick figures, maybe a smiley face, you know, or the frame of a house. But if you put those same crayons in the hand of somebody who's a gifted artist. Um, I don't know everybody's gifts here, but I know Chloe can draw. Chloe sometimes plays keyboard. And she's, she's got a natural gift there. And you put that crayon in the hand of somebody like Chloe, and what you get as a result is something beautiful. You can take your life, you can take your life like a crayon. And you can try to draw something on your own. And it'll turn out to have a certain result. But if you take your life and you put it in the hand of God, just his amazing creativity and everything that he knows, your life can turn out to be something beautiful. And so I want to encourage us to trust God, put our life in his hands, and let him work in and through you to create to help you enter into your destiny, and you will be blessed. I don't know if you caught that in this last passage that's up on the screen. Did you see the promise at the very end? It's still up there on the screen. It says, the doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. That's a promise from God. I want to encourage you to trust him, to work in and through you. And even though there may be some things that you have to give up, we all have habits and hang-ups and hurts. I, I, you've heard me say this many times. God will not take away anything that he doesn't replace with something better. 
Sound good? Let's pray. Father, I thank you. Thank you for giving us the mirror, the image of who we are. Thank you for giving us a new nature through Jesus, your son, and through the Holy Spirit. And thank you that you are transforming and renewing our mind to be in sync with being a new creation in Christ. God, I ask that you would highlight, that you would reveal those thoughts and ideas about ourselves, about life, about you that are not true. And Father, as you do, I pray that you would help us to put those to the side, confess those, bring them into the light, bring them to death on the cross, and I ask that you would replace them with the truth of what your word says about who we are, about how you intended life to be, and about who you are. God, would you renew our minds so that we can become more like Jesus. And if you would keep your heads bowed and your eyes closed, there may be some of you here today as you're hearing me talk about relating to God that this is something that's been on your mind and on your heart a lot lately. In fact, that has a lot to do with why you're here today. And if you've never made a formal decision to invite God to come into your, into your life, if you've never made a conscious choice to say, yes, God, I'm opening myself to you, then I want to give you a chance to do that today. What I'll do is I'll pray out loud. And if that sounds like you, you can hitchhike on my words and God will hear you. But before I pray, I'd like to know who I'm praying with. And I have a signal. And that is if you would simply look up when my eyes meet yours, I'll know that we're going to pray together. So if that sounds like something you'd like to do, go ahead and look up at this time and then we'll pray together in a moment. Yes, I see you here. Anybody else? Yes, right here. Okay, I see you there. Anybody else? Yes, I see you. Okay, and here. Okay. And over on this, yes, I see you there. All three of you, great. Okay. Don't want to miss anybody. Okay, let's pray. Father in heaven, I'm coming to you today. I'm making a decision in my mind, in my heart, to say, yes, I would like to experience you. More than that, I, I need you. Lord, life has not been going well in my own effort. And I'm wanting to try it your way. And so I'm asking you to come into my life. I ask that you would come into my life by your spirit and I accept what you've done for me through Jesus on the cross. I accept his forgiveness. In fact, I receive it. Right now, if you're praying this prayer, I invite you just to receive his forgiveness for you. He's been waiting for this moment. His spirit of forgiveness and spirit of love is for you and everything that you've ever done. And if you're praying this prayer right now, I just want you to take a moment to receive his spirit of love and forgiveness into your life and let him wash and cleanse and remove any guilt or any shame or any self-condemnation, all those voices that tear us down and ask him just to wash it all away and give you a new start and make your life clean by the blood of Jesus. 
Father, I thank you for coming into my life. And I accept you. And I thank you for this new life. I ask that you would reveal yourself to me. And I ask that you would reveal your ways to me. And show me how you would have me live. And I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.